a delight to be with you again uh, this morning and to share what God has put on my heart. Um, last week, Bishop Derek uh, continued his studies in Genesis, where he'd previously looked at, looked at creation and the fall of man. As we know, not only did God create such a wonderful world, um, he created man and woman, Adam and Eve, whom he had a relationship with. However, because of disobedience, uh, God banished them from the garden where they had everything provided for them, and they were forced to work to supply their own needs. So this time, Bishop Derek was looking at the, their son Cain's family in Genesis 4, and he spoke about the lessons of abandoning God and how sin took over, causing polygamy, focusing on wealth, prosperity, pleasure rather than God. So his main uh, focus last week was on Limech, Cain's great-great-grandson, resorting to taking God's mercy, which he had shown Cain after he killed his brother Abel as a badge of honour to say it was all right to kill other people. Um, it's disturbing to read how quickly, within a few generations, sin virtually destroyed God's perfect world from, and perfect plan for mankind. However, um, Bishop Derek referred last Sunday, being the first Sunday of Advent, as being one of hope. And we read in Genesis, we read in Genesis 4, um, verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again, and he bore a son and named him Seth. For God had appointed another seed for me, this is Eve speaking, instead of Abel, whom Cain had killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and his name was Enosh. Then the men began to call on the name of the Lord. Adam and Eve called their third son Seth, meaning anointed one. They were given hope. Hope that their son would turn out differently. Hope that things would be different. And as we know, it's through Seth's lineage that Jesus was born. To hope in something requires faith. And in Hebrews 1, verse 11, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So this is the second Sunday in Advent, and we'll look at faith. I spoke earlier in the year about faith meaning to believe and trust. So today I would like to look at what Jesus says about himself and how he's fulfilled what it said about him in the Old Testament and to show that Jesus is, is indeed the promised Messiah. The one that we can not only put our hope in, but can believe and trust that he is who he says he is and how Jesus is still relevant today. For this, we're going to look at uh, what David says in Psalm 23 and compare it with what Jesus says about himself in Gospel of John. And I thought it was definitely God's anointing when John prayed over me. 
and prayed part of Psalm 23. <laughs> so uh, we know for sure we don't know for sure who actually wrote. Um, oh well, we do know that David wrote Psalm 23, but we don't know when he was when it was written. It might have been written when he was still a shepherd boy, and he was called to the palace to um, come. Um, King Saul down, um, but it doesn't really matter. Um, what matters is what he says in the psalm. And Pastor Manuel has said of David that he's a New Testament man living in the Old Testament. Well, what did he mean? He meant that David was able to understand God in a way that not many of the other prophets had been able to. Um, and in this psalm, there's an insight into the nature of the Messiah the, that we don't see anywhere else. So I've entitled um, the message today, Jesus, the Promised Messiah, the one that all the people had been hoping for. So the, the four points that I'm going to cover um, today are about Jesus' relationship with us, his provision, his direction, his hope and future for us. So let's go and have a look at Psalm 23. I'm sure you're all very familiar with it, but we need to actually concentrate on the words today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So first I want to look, about, look at relationship. Let's look at the opening statement. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. David immediately acknowledges the Lord is a shepherd. He recognizes that although God is Lord over all his life, he is also a shepherd, referring to someone that's more intimate, like it's intimate than a king. We might know King Charles. But do we know him intimately? Probably none of us have ever met him. But if he's a shepherd, it's someone who, shall we say, is down to earth. Pardon the pun. Um, someone we can have a relationship with. So who do we know in the New Testament that can fit that bill? Jesus, of course. Like David, 
he used everyday experiences to write psalm, write the Psalms and um, other things in the Old Testament. Jesus used parables um, about everyday experiences to teach the people about the kingdom of God. So let's look, turn to John verses 1 to 18 and 25 to 30 and see what Jesus says about himself. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus used this illustration, but when they did not understand the things which he spoke to them, Jesus then said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one that does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and doesn't care about the sheep. I am a good shepherd and know my sheep and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And my sheep I have which are not in this fold, them I also must bring in, that they may hear my voice and will be with one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. And in verse 25 it says, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. As I have told you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I have given them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. It's greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. I and my Father are one. Can you see the parallelisms between Psalm 25 and what Jesus says here? 
uh, we'll just take some time and we'll look at both and see the difference or see the similarities between them. Somehow, David, when he was talking about the Lord, knew God more than being a single deity. He understood, maybe through reading about creation, where it mentions God created the, the earth and the spirit of God was also mentioned. So he knew that there was more than just God. God was bigger than just a single person, a single deity. Um, we see here in John 10.30, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. Jesus was clearly identifying himself with, as God, part of the Trinity. He came down to earth as God's son, but here we see equality with God. In the same way, I am a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, but before that I was a daughter. We can have different titles throughout our lives, but we're the same person, just maybe matured. Well, at least we hope so. <laughs> Um, so here we can have the same person God can be God but there can be different elements to God uh, in Psalm 1 David refers the, to his, the Lord as his shepherd to be a shepherd requires relationship and Jesus used the same analogy of himself I am the good shepherd um, Jesus then goes on to ex explain some of the attributes of good shepherd. The sheep hear his voice and calls them by name. That's implying an intimacy. They don't listen to a stranger, so they must have a relationship with them. He gives his life for a sh sheep. A shepherd in those days would protect the sheep at any cost, even giving his life for the sheep. Jesus said, I am going to lay down my life. He was going to be the sacrifice. Uh, Jesus referred to himself as a door. A door was a way in to the sheepfold for safety, but it was also a way out to, for provision for nourishment, for food. Jesus is very clear in verses 9 and 10 that anyone who wasn't a good shepherd doesn't use the door and therefore was a thief and a robber. Their only focus was to steal, kill and destroy. So going on to the second point, provision. If we go back to Psalm 23, the second half of verse 1 says, I shall not want. That means he's going to have provision. He's going to have supply. He makes me lie down by green pastures. And that refers to rest. He leads me by quiet waters. Refreshment. He restores my soul. Healing. Jesus said in John 10 that the shepherd's job was to Find good pasture for his flock. Sometimes the sheep had to 
walk a long way to get the green pastures. So when they got there, they were tired, but the rewards were worth it. There was nourishment and rest. Food's not sufficient without water. Sheep know that quiet waters are a sign of refreshment. They won't go near loud rushing water because that's a sign of danger and they'd be fearful that they'd be swept away. So the quiet waters are a sign of refreshment. When Jesus witnessed to the woman at the well in John 4, she was confused when she was off, he offered her everlasting water. She was thinking about water in the well and the thought of not having to come every day to draw water um, appealed to her. But Jesus explained, he was not talking about physical water, he was talking about an allergy for spiritual life, something that no one can take away. Not only does a good shepherd provide food and water for a sheep, but he also finds rest and safety. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all those who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus offers something more than a shepherd could. He offers us living water, a place of rest and safety for eternity. When the body is refreshed and the soul is refreshed, when the body's refreshed, the soul is restored. It's not no longer afraid or anxious, but has strength and vigor. When Jesus was talking to the centurion whose servant was ill in Matthew 8, he says to him, I will come and heal him. It's Jesus who is the one that provides healing. He said in John 10.10, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus is a source of healing and abundant life. John says in Revelation 7, um, verse 16-17, when he talks about those who serve God in his temple, they shall neither hunger anymore or thirst anymore, the sun shall not strike them, nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear of their eyes. Isn't that wonderful? That's a promise that there will be no more hunger, no more thirst, No more crying. God will provide us everything for eternity. So let's look at the next part of Psalm 23. Direction. In the second half of verse 3 it says, He guides me in the paths of righteousness. So there's guidance there. For his name's sake... There's purpose. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's a time of testing, I will fear no evil, protection, 
for you are with me. There's faithfulness there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's discipline. We're living in this world. We're not going to be um, kept away from trials and tribulations. There'll be times of testing, but there'll also be times of discipline. But we know there'll be guidance. God will guide us because he's faithful and he has a purpose for us. So going back to what Jesus tells about himself in John 14, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And in Matthew 28, um, 18, Jesus says, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Jesus not only provides us with guidance, he gives us a purpose to make disciples of all nations. I only recently discovered that the significance of the shadow of death. In David's time, there was a valley and there was a, long, a narrow ledge along one side of the valley and the other side had really steep, it was really steep and high and it blocked out the sun. So a large part of the day, there's, there was very little light to go along this ledge. So the sheep would normally follow a shepherd, but in this case, he would choose one sheep to be the lead sheep, and the lead sheep would walk in front of the shepherd, and the shepherd would go behind with his rod and his staff. The, the sheep would then follow on because they were used to following the shepherd. Um, the lead sheep was comforted by the rod and staff. Um, it protected, protected the sheep from falling off the edge. And he knew, the sheep knew that the shepherd was there. The rest of sheep would follow the shepherd um, because he knew that there was a lead sheep there as well. So in, in that way, you can see then why it says, "My the rod and staff comfort me. Because it's providing guidance, comfort. Um, so I thought that was really, really quite a revelation to to learn about the valley of death. It was not just something that David wrote, but it was to show that um, if you are following God, he will guide you. And he might prod you. That's discipline. <laughs> and keep you on the right path because of the dangers of falling off that narrow ledge. So it was only experienced shepherds that would follow that route um, because it was a dangerous route to follow. 
We also read in John 10 that Jesus was the, the, the door, there was a doorkeeper of the door and the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. He calls them by name and leads them out and they follow him because they know their, their voice. There'll be times in our lives where we face testing and times where we'll need protection. But Jesus is faithful, as we read earlier. He will be with us until the end of time. Jesus said in John 12, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So if we follow Jesus, we will be honored by God. So that leads me to the, to the last um, point, a hope and a future. Going back to the last part of Psalm 23, verses 5 and 6, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. There's hope there. You anoint my head with oil, which consecration. My cup overflows. That's a plan to abundance. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. There's blessing there. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a future. During Jesus' final days, he spent time with his disciples, training and teaching them to give them a hope um, for things to come. He also told them that they would be anointed by the Holy Spirit, who would not only bless and guide, but they would also guide and teach them. The teaching gave the disciples hope. He was coming back, and he was preparing a place for eternity. In John 14, verses 1 said it, Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there's many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll receive you to me, myself. That where I am, you'll also be. And in verse 25, he says, Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring all remembrance of all the things I've said to you. In the Bible, the oil was used to anoint priests, to consecrate them for service. We too have been consecrated. We've been set apart for the Lord's service with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on to say, Peace I leave you. Peace I give you, not as the world gives you, do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you love me, you will rejoice because I say I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Therefore, this is why Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. We don't need to be afraid or anxious about the future. God has it all planned out. All we need is faith 
in Jesus, the promised Messiah. So this Advent, let us look at Christmas with a renewed understanding of whose birth we're celebrating. It's not just a winter holiday or a time to be with the family, which is always important. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Not only born in a humble stable, but who is also our Messiah, our Savior, who wants a personal relationship with us. If we put our faith in him and trust that he is who he says he is, Jesus will give us a hope, supplying us with not everything we need, but life in abundance. He also is faithful, will protect us, give us security, blessing, and a hope for the future. Is that not worth celebrating this year? Thank you.